0: Well, hello, YouTube Power Hour squad, Erica here with a replay episode for you. So if you're brand new to the YouTube Power Hour podcast and you have a YouTube channel or you're thinking about starting a YouTube channel or you want to expand your business and influence online using YouTube, then this is a podcast for you. And for my returners, welcome back. This is a replay episode because I take a little bit of a break in between seasons to focus on my boot campers that are in the Zero to Influence YouTube Bootcamp. And for those of you that are new, that is my bootcamp where I help women find clarity with their purpose on YouTube and help them discover their best selves, so they bring their best, most unique, most magnetic self to camera. So my philosophy with YouTube is we build your YouTube channel from the inside out. So if you are interested in joining the bootcamp, I am going to be running another one in 2019. Date will be released. And if you want information on that, you can head to ericaviera.net forward slash bootcamp. But in the meantime, I am replaying some of the favorites for you guys. So that if you're new, you can get introduced to the podcast. And if you're returning, some of these are some of the best episodes, most downloaded. So you get a chance to listen to the amazing goodness all over again. So one big ask that I ask of you guys is my big goal for 2019 is to be one of the top 10 marketing podcasts and business podcasts on iTunes. But I need your help. I know a lot of you guys love the podcast and you share it, but I need your help to get even bigger and better so that I can do more things with the podcast. So if you are on Instagram, share it in your stories, share it in your posts tag me, tell a friend, tell facebook groups, if you write for a blog, mention it there and help the youtube power hour podcast get to the top 10 so that i can bring lots of big things for you guys. but still i have some amazing guests that are lined up for you guys already. i'm super pumped. going to be recording all new episodes. so hang tight for the new episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, leave a review if you haven't before. That also helps with the ranking on iTunes and helping more and more people discover this podcast. Enjoy the interview. I'm really excited about this interview. And I know that you guys will be listening to this and probably rewinding it and rewinding it again because there is so much information. But I have some really extensive show notes for you because you're going to be bombarded with tons of info, tons of links, because this episode is all about video and the tools you need, the technology you need, and the tips for lighting and tips for filming and all these things that are so, so important to your success. So it's not my expertise or my forte. So it's a topic that I've been wanting to discuss in detail, just have its own episode on the podcast. And so I asked DIY video guy, Caleb Wojcik, which I'm probably totally mispronouncing his last name, to come on the show and give all of his insight because this is all that he does. He has some amazing courses on his website. Uh, That are free. He also has courses that you can pay for that I would highly suggest. But he is so knowledgeable about everything having to do with filming and lighting and sound and video production and all those things that you really need to find success on YouTube and online. And he has a really easy way of explaining stuff too, which is huge for those of you who aren't super tech savvy like myself. I'm not a huge tech savvy person. So I'm not going to pretend to know everything about this because it's not a topic. That's my expertise. So Caleb is great. I really, really hope you enjoy this episode. Let me get you Caleb's bio and then we're going to jump right into it. So Caleb Woshik has been making videos off and on for nearly a decade. In that time, he has filmed the National Hockey League, Major League Baseball, NCAA Basketball and Football, weddings, commercials, book trailers, and plenty of training videos for the web. He runs a video production company in San Diego, California, teaches solo video production for the web at diyvideoguy.com. And he is a teacher of multiple courses on shooting and editing video at diyvideoschool.com. And all the show notes are going to be at beautyandthevlogcom forward slash video. So Caleb goes through a ton of great tools ton of recommendations and a lot of tips. And those are all going to be at beautyinthevlog.com forward slash videos. So don't worry about writing things down. I mean, you can if you want, but I will have it all for you on the show notes so that you can refer to it later. All right, guys. Well, without further ado, I really, really hope you enjoy this interview. Hello, Caleb. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: I'm so excited to have you on because you are the first technical person to be on the podcast after almost 100 episodes. And I swear, questions about lighting and editing and things like that come up more than anything else. So I'm super, super excited to have you on and just get all your knowledge about this topic that comes up all the time.
1: (laughs) Well, it's definitely something that people struggle with or maybe keeps them from putting out photos or videos of themselves is all the technical aspects Mm -hmm. And it really can just be a barrier to getting started and getting things out there an Instagram, a YouTube, a Facebook, wherever you're going to post these things.
0: Oh, 100%. I think the technology side of things is the biggest barrier of entry to being online or being an influencer. For sure. So anything that can make that process easier and simpler. And also the cost too. And I do want to talk to you about like your product recommendations because Mm -hmm. people are always, what do I get? What should I splurge on? What should I not? What should I save on? So we'll definitely touch on that as well. But before we jump into it, why don't we just kind of tell people who you are, how you got into this and your background?
1: So about four or five years ago, I got my first DSLR camera with my wife. We were just both interested in taking photos, and I kind of started to play around with the video features on that camera. And then I had worked for a startup and kind of started editing videos of events we held, or if I went and did public speaking, I would record myself and edit it. And slowly over time, I started teaching myself how to make better videos, how to edit them, and I finally just decided to start teaching what I know. So a few years ago, I started DIY Video Guy, To teach people how to film videos by themselves. Because in this day and age, you know, people are making YouTube videos. They're recording things on Snapchat and Instagram stories and a bunch of things that they can't afford to hire someone for or they don't want to because they need to put it out very quickly. So I kind of saw this niche of let's help people that have to film by themselves because I was someone that had to film by myself. So I help with the technical side as well as the editing and the kind of the strategy of how to deliver to a camera and all those types of things. So DIY Video Guy is kind of my offshoot of the video production company that I run that most of my income comes from, but I also teach video production as well.
0: And I think that's great. I think it's smart to target influencers like you do because I know you have a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. You have your own podcast as well, correct?
1: Yeah. I put it on hold actually because I was seeing more results from the YouTube channel audience growth wise. Yeah, So I did about 70 episodes of my podcast, kind of put it on hiatus for a little bit. And double down on making videos. But there's a lot of good content in there. If You're like trying to learn how to make your own videos.
0: Yeah, that's great. So what is the thing that you see influencers or content creators just struggling the most when it comes to the technology side?
1: Well, I think the first thing, the biggest hiccup is that people think they need a certain piece of equipment to make videos. And I don't think that's really true anymore. I think that if you only have your phone, then you start with your phone. Or if you only have a webcam built into a laptop, then that's what you start with. And you can still learn the fundamentals of good lighting and maybe buying a microphone so you have good sound when you're talking. But you can start with what's built into a device that you already have, like a phone or a laptop. So you don't necessarily need a really nice camera. There's kind of Three parts of the tripod that video quality stands on and that's the camera and lens part. That's the lighting and then that's the audio. So a lot of people think they should put a bunch of money into a really good camera, but really you should put equal parts into your camera and lens, your lighting and then your audio.
0: Well, don't you, I'm going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. Just right now, it seems like the content, especially in the beauty space, is so saturated. There's just so much out there that you can really differentiate yourself by kind of coming out of the gate, which I know is difficult and hard because it's expensive and, and a lot of people just don't have the knowledge. But trying to ramp up quickly or coming out pretty fast with higher quality content and that really includes like not filming on a phone or webcam or things like that
1: right yeah i think that quality can definitely set you apart and someone's going to judge your video immediately based on how it looks and how it sounds so You just have to know that that's something that people either have to get over if your quality is not very good and they have to start focusing on what you're saying or doing the actual content in the video. But I think a lot of people see high level YouTubers with lots of subscribers that have been doing this for a long time and maybe see how high quality their videos are and they don't make their own because they're not at that quality yet. Whereas if you go back to some of the first videos that any YouTuber that has a big following put out, they weren't high quality. So you kind of just have to start and work your way up.
0: Definitely. And I think if you are going to be an influencer and if this is something you actually want to do more than just a hobby or you're serious about, I think it's like you said, just starting is great. Just kind of getting on there and starting and getting your feet wet is great. But I think investing in learning how to use this equipment and getting the equipment, I think it's essential. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So if somebody is just starting out and maybe they have a little bit of money that they want to spend or they're like, okay, I want to do more than my phone or whatever. What would be kind of like that starter care? What would be those things that you would tell that person um, that they should maybe invest in at this early stage?
1: The most entry level that I think you could go would be to get a better webcam and get a better microphone for whatever computer you have. Mm -hmm. And you can do both of those things for about $75 or $80. The two things that I recommend are the Logitech C920 webcam is a good way to get started with HD quality video and record directly into your computer. And then for a microphone, I really like the Blue Yeti or the Audio-Technica AT2100. Those are both options that plug in via USB into your computer, and then you just kind of have a little mobile video recording station that you can place in front of a window, have an interesting backdrop, and just kind of get started that way without having to buy a DSLR or a tripod or any of that other stuff.
0: The Audio-Technica is what I'm talking on right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it's great for podcasting, but you can even place it just outside of the frame of the video and it can still get pretty good audio of you talking and whatever you're doing if it's beauty vlogging whatever it is
0: do you recommend those lavalier type microphones
1: yeah i think lavaliers are really great when you need to be a little further from the camera so Mm -hmm. if you are going to use a dslr or a mirrorless video camera to film and you do need to be five or ten feet away using a lavalier microphone is usually the better option I know a lot of beauty videos that I've seen, at least, you know, you're pretty close to the camera because you're focused on your face or your eyelashes or something very, very close. So you can get away with an on-camera microphone. An on-camera microphone I like is the Rode VideoMic Pro. But having a lavalier, which is a microphone that you'd like clip onto your shirt or your collar or something, and it has a longer cable that you would run to your camera or your computer or a separate audio recording device that can also work, too, especially if you're moving around a lot.
0: Which is is there one that you recommend in particular?
1: The easiest option for that is to get the Rode R-O-D-E Smart Lav Plus, and then that can plug right into a phone and you can use your phone to record the audio mm-hmm. and then you would sync it later. So that's my entry-level recommendation.
0: Oh, so yeah, you would actually... Yeah, I guess if you are using your computer and you're using a webcam, then it would make most sense to plug that lavalier into the phone. Right. Mm -hmm. So you kind of wire it down underneath your clothes into your phone and then you connect the audio that way. Okay, that makes sense, too. It's so funny because exactly what you had mentioned, (laughs) the webcam, I had that one when I first Mm -hmm. started and the same microphone that I'm still using now. So I've definitely upgraded to a different camera, but it makes it actually really easy because when you do use a webcam, then all the files are right there on your computer. You don't have to like transfer them over to your computer also.
1: Right. Exactly. It makes it way faster to make something. And it also doubles for using it for Skype or any other conference call as well.
0: Yeah. And what about beginner lighting? I mean, not everybody always has a luxury of being able to film during the daylight or having a window that they that they can film in front of.
1: So there's a few different options there. Like you just mentioned, windows are great because they are big what you call soft sources of light. So Mm -hmm. the bigger the light source, the less shadows it casts and the more natural it's going to make you look, which for something like beauty videos is really important. So windows are great, but the downside of windows is if it's nighttime or it's a partially cloudy day, the light keeps changing during your video and that's no fun. So I know a lot of beauty YouTubers use a ring light, Mm -hmm. which looks like a circle and you put your camera in the middle of it. And you can kind of tell who uses it because in their eyeball, you can see a little circle reflection of that light. And when you're only lighting your face for a makeup tutorial, those things are great. But if you step back or you're trying to light a room, those aren't quite powerful enough. So you'll probably have to go to bigger lights that have soft boxes. They look like shower curtain sheets in like a big square that diffuse the light to soften it. So the biggest thing is that you don't have these really bright, harsh lights on you showing pores mm-hmm. and shadows and all that kind of stuff. And instead, you have as big of source as possible of the light to limit the shadows and to soften the skin and the shadows behind you as well.
0: Yeah, softboxes are really, really nice, I think when it comes to beauty or just kind of creating that airbrushed effect kind of thing you want in these fashion and beauty videos?
1: Yeah. The first set I ever had of lights was probably $150 that I got on Amazon. It was three softbox lights on stands. I think they were made in China and they're pretty cheap. And I used those for multiple years before I ever upgraded.
0: I see also people recommending or suggesting umbrella lights. Like, what's the big difference between, say, having like an umbrella light kit versus going the softbox route?
1: So, an umbrella versus a softbox is kind of the light goes in the opposite directions. So, a softbox will be like a shower curtain or a window dressing, and you shoot the light through it. An umbrella is the opposite. So you would shoot the light at the umbrella and it would bounce back towards you, which also softens the light. So you may not be as shiny either. So when you have a window or a softbox or something and you might get shiny parts of your skin where it's like really white, using umbrellas and bouncing the light off of a open umbrella under the inside or bouncing off a wall or a ceiling or something like that that can limit that shininess as well. So if that's an issue that you have with your skin, or maybe the product you're showing in a beauty video, that might be an option too.
0: Hmm, interesting. And what do you think is probably better, the umbrellas or the soft boxes?
1: I think soft boxes are great because you kind of just point them at yourself, mm-hmm. and they'll work. Umbrellas are kind of easier to tear down. So if you're in a space where you need to take it apart each time, you might want to go with umbrella because you can close the umbrella and move the light and it will take up less space.
0: Yeah, umbrellas, I I have a set of umbrella lights and then I just switched to the softboxes, but the umbrella lights, they are easier to like set up and tear down. But the thing is, yeah, you have to kind of play with them a little bit more, I feel like, than the softboxes. Softboxes, you can kind of just set up and it's pretty consistent, but the umbrella ones, you have to like play around with them to get that right effect.
1: Yeah. And I think it's partially because you're bouncing the light away from you and then towards you. So you're losing the power of them versus when you point the light at you, the light's going straight at you. And so they're a little more powerful. So you usually just have to get the umbrellas pretty close to you Mm. to get the same kind of output.
0: Oh, so like if you're using umbrella, the closer, the better, basically.
1: Yeah, typically.
0: Gotcha. And so with the ring lights... Would you recommend combining any types of lights with rings, soft boxes, or umbrellas or anything like that? Say somebody wants to maybe kind of step it up a little bit and create, or if they have a room that they can kind of create as a studio or they don't mind, you know, maybe they film once a week and so they'll put everything up and put it down. What would be that ideal kind of lighting? Obviously natural light, but maybe some different combinations. Like if they have natural light, would it make sense to do other lights? Or if they don't have that natural light, what would be a great kind of setup?
1: Yeah, you might have good windows in your room, but maybe you facing that window doesn't give you the background that you want. So you could use natural light to light the room and then use another light or two to light yourself so you can have the background that you want. So maybe you sitting in front of the window, facing the window, the background is a door or like another room, but you can use natural light or lights you buy that you place in the room to light up the room as well. So you don't just want to think about yourself. You also want to think about how the room is lit too.
0: So what is the kind of the trick with making that really crisp kind of look that you aim for these YouTube videos for lighting?
1: The biggest thing is just making sure that your camera is exposing properly. Mm -hmm. So no matter what you have lighting wise, you don't want your camera to be overexposed and have things that are too white and too bright and blown out or too dark so you can't really tell what's happening. It's finding whatever you can do lighting wise first and then looking at the camera and adjusting it manually or putting it in a mode that will make sure that you look okay.
0: So you really think it's a combination between the camera and the lighting?
1: Definitely, yeah, because you can have spent tons of time getting the lighting perfectly, but if you don't set up your camera right, then it's not going to look okay. And I can also walk into an environment and not use any lights. But if I know how to use the existing light with my camera and placement, then you can make something look really good. So it's like a nice little tango between the two.
0: Yeah. And I think it really takes some fine tuning to figure that out. Like somebody like you, I'm sure you work with multiple cameras, multiple pieces of equipment. You said you have a production company, so you do all different scenarios inside, outside, all that. But, you know, when you're an influencer, a YouTuber, it's nice because you probably have your one camera that you got to figure out and your one set of lighting and then try and make it the best that way
1: yeah and if i'm about to record a bunch of videos i'll record a sample plug it into my computer and see how it looks and then maybe go tweak something a couple times because you don't want to record for a really long time and then have to scrap it all because something's wrong so recording tests are really helpful and i still do those when i'm on set filming for clients too is i'll film a little test and i might show it to them depending on who the client is to be like do you like how this looks do you want to change anything Now is the time kind of before you film everything so
0: you would actually film it set the whole thing up and film a test you would check the light you would check on it on the camera itself or would you actually want to see it on the computer
1: sometimes i put it on a computer mm-hmm. because then you can see it bigger and see how it actually looks versus the back of a camera or if you have a little flip out mm-hmm. screen you might not be able to tell that something's wrong or something in your teeth or who knows what.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. It definitely pays to be a little cautious because that, yeah, I mean, you can be filming and then spend all this time and you go back and you're like, oh my God, really? I had that shadow the whole time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or out of focus Mm -hmm. or who knows what. Yeah,
0: that's the worst. So before we move on from lighting, what would you say is the biggest mistake that you see influencers, YouTubers overall make when it comes to their lighting.
1: I think the biggest thing would probably be when they film using only a window, your white balance can change. So if it's a sunny day and then the clouds go in front of the sun, not only will it get darker, but the the white balance will change. So the image will get cooler looking mm-hmm. and then when the sun comes back out it'll get warmer looking. And if you have your camera in auto white balance, it will throughout the video, continually be changing the white balance and it can look a little strange. It's better to just set it to manual and then let the temperature of the video change. But if it's set to auto, your like the feel, the colors of your video will be changing while someone's watching it. And that's a little strange to me when I see that.
0: So when somebody's, say, filming in an area that they do have that amazing sunlight, the direct sunlight, you actually recommend then not to have your camera in manual mode.
1: No, you can have it in manual mode and then set the white balance to whatever it is. So if it's Mm -hmm. sunny outside, then set it to sunny. If it's cloudy, set it to cloudy. Or I just don't like auto white balance Mm. when you're recording a longer video because it can change depending on how your lighting changes. Or maybe you turn to the side and it decides that the white balance is now different. It's hard to do anything with that once you're in the editing process to fix white balance.
0: Gotcha. And then also, are there any other tricks or anything related to lighting that we didn't talk about that you think is worth mentioning?
1: The biggest thing to me is just having the light be soft and having it have a big source. So if you have a really strong light and it's casting shadows on you or it's making your head or face shiny, then shoot the light through a shower curtain or a bed sheet or something soft and white that can make the light source bigger. And that will make the shadows less and make you less shiny as well.
0: Gotcha. So it's kind of like creating that like diffused look in a way. Mm-hmm. And where would you put, like, how would you set that up if you do want to take that advice? Like, where would you hang that sheet or like behind the light in front of it, obviously in front of it, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. In front of it Mm -hmm. would be where you'd put it. You can also bounce lights off of walls as well just to light a room. So instead of pointing a light right at your background to cause a bunch of shadows, maybe point the light up at the ceiling and that just raises the light in the room like it would be if you had lights on in the room, Mm -hmm. like the normal ones that are there. But they'll all be matched. If you have three lights you all bought from the same company with the same bulbs, then you can have everything look the same as well.
0: Yeah, I've heard that people actually bouncing lights off of the wall, like pointing the light in the opposite direction, have it go against the wall.
1: And that just makes it softer. Mm -hmm. It's just like bouncing it or shooting it through something, bouncing it off a wall makes the size of the light now bigger, which means it's softer and more flattering. And then the normal kind of beauty look Mm -hmm. that most fashion is shot through is they use a huge light behind and above the camera. So there's a really good definition on your chin and it also kind of slims the face on both sides if there's not lights coming from the side. So having like one big light straight ahead and higher than the person is the standard beauty light kind of setup. But you can, if you want it to be a little more dramatic, have lights to the side, have one a little bit more powerful than the other. It's really just a matter of playing around with it in whatever setup you're in, kind of moving the camera around, turning some lights on, turning some lights off, recording some samples, watching them back Mm -hmm. and seeing which ones you like.
0: And would that be just an example of like the ring light, that big source of light right behind the camera, basically?
1: Yeah, that would be Mm -hmm. one or being in front of a big window Mm -hmm. or something like that would as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Awesome. So those are some really good lighting tips. So let's move on to the camera. I know you talked a little bit about the camera. So if somebody's looking to kind of, Step up their game a little bit, go beyond the iPhone, go beyond the webcam. What would be that next step that you would recommend that they would invest when it comes to a camera?
1: I think the features you're really looking for are good autofocus. So if you're going to be in front of the camera and you want it to focus on your face without you having to change it all the time, Mm -hmm. if the camera has good autofocus and specifically face detect autofocus, then that's a feature that would be really helpful. Another one is to have a screen that can flip back towards you so you can see that you're framed properly, that you're in focus, that the camera is definitely recording, that those are other features as well. Mm -hmm. And then the third one would be if you want to record good audio, can your camera take audio into it or are you going to have to record that separately? So I think a camera that's really good that a lot of YouTubers use is the Canon 70 D or they have a newer version to 80D. Mm -hmm. And that kind of hits all of those things for me. It has a flip out screen. It has really good face autofocus. And you can plug in a microphone into the microphone jack and put a camera microphone on top of it.
0: Yeah, I know when I interview influencers, I always ask them like, what camera do you use? And that Canon 70D is like, I think it's like 80% of the people always mention that camera.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can go more advanced you can spend more money if you want you can go different brands there's good options from Sony and Panasonic and whatever camera system you're maybe already invested in mm-hmm. or whatever camera you have you can make work and you don't necessarily need autofocus or you can get by without seeing the back of the screen if you can record a little sample and make sure it looks okay or what have you so there are ways around those features mm-hmm. that I mentioned, but for ease of use, I really like to have all those.
0: And what about the lens? Do you just recommend just going with the lens that that comes with the camera? I know some people can go really crazy and fancy with all the different lenses.
1: Yeah, it really depends on your setup. When you're just getting started, having a zoom lens like the ones that come with the camera are helpful so that you can have a wider shot or a closer shot and you have just more options to build the look that you want. And then maybe after you've recorded a bunch of videos and you're like, well, I'm always shooting at 35 millimeter on this zoom lens, or I'm always shooting at 50 millimeter, or I need a macro lens so I can focus closer to the camera while I'm showing some detailed eyelash or lipstick tutorial or something. You kind of buy lenses out of need to like be able to do something. But when you're just getting started, having a zoom lens will help you determine what those focal lengths are, like whether it's twenty four or fifty or 100 or whatever
0: yeah so lenses is definitely something that's more advanced later on
1: yeah for sure I do recommend that you invest in whatever lens you need for the type of video you're doing but there are multiple tiers of price levels for lenses you can get lenses for one or two hundred dollars and then you can get lenses for two to three thousand dollars so it really depends on what your budget is and it doesn't make sense to buy a lens if you don't know why you're buying that exact one.
0: Yeah, and so when you use the 70D, or I don't even know if you still use that one, but when you recommend people use it, do you recommend just using the lens that it comes with or is there any anything that you think is worthwhile if you have the budget to kind of upgrade to when it comes to lenses?
1: Yeah, they usually come with either an 18-55 to or an 18-135. to so an 18 to 55 would be pretty wide to kind of standard uh zoom and then the 18 to 135 would be the same amount of width to be to have a wide shot but then it zooms in even more. So if you're maybe wanting to do macro or something like that, you might want to get the, the more zoom lens. Um a good all-around lens that I like for the 70 or 80D is there's a Canon 40 millimeter it's called a pancake lens mm-hmm. and it's really really small and lightweight so if you're traveling that's a bonus but it also has really good autofocus as well so the 40 millimeter pancake is a good option as well and as we're talking through all these different things there's like so many pieces of equipment mm-hmm. I use this site called kit kit.com mm-hmm. And as I've been talking, I've been like opening all these things and I can put together a a kit on there as well as I can give you a list of all the things that we've been bringing up in the show as well.
0: Yeah, that would be perfect. And then I'll put them on the show notes and all that because I know Mm -hmm. this is the type of show everyone's going to want to either sit down and write notes or just go onto the website and have everything there for them. So I like to have extensive show notes. So that would be perfect. And it's good too, we're talking about the lenses and everything because people that are listening, I have people that are just starting off or haven't even started a channel to people that have hundreds of thousands to million plus subscribers. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to hear all perspectives, especially coming someone from like you, who's very tuned to the technology side and just seeing what's the beginner budget and what's kind of those things that you should maybe splurge on down the line. So with the camera, the Canon 70D or 80D is the way to go. This is a question just personally mm-hmm. a little selfish for me because it's a camera that I have and it's one that I know that a lot of people do recommend is kind of like a starting camera or like a vlogging camera. But It's the Sony A5100. Are you familiar with that one?
1: Yeah, I'm familiar with the Sony 5100 mm-hmm. or they have like a 6,000, 6,300, yeah. 6,500 now, the newer ones. Those are great as well. Mirrorless Mm -hmm. is another good option too. Is there a flip back screen so you can see it?
0: There is, yes.
1: Yeah. So that's, to me, is kind of a need when you're first starting out making videos of yourself.
0: That's super helpful. So what what does it mean exactly to be mirrorless?
1: So a DSLR has an actual mirror in it. Mm -hmm. When you take a picture, you're looking through a viewfinder. And when you hit the shutter, the mirror flips up and then it hits the sensor. So DSLRs are typically a little bigger versus companies like Sony have mirrorless cameras where that mirror isn't in there. Mm. And so the cameras can be a little smaller. So that's what a mirrorless camera is.
0: So the Canon 70D, that's a DSLR, that's not a mirrorless.
1: Correct. Mm -hmm. But when you're in video mode, the mirror just stays up. Mm -hmm. But it is a little bit bigger of a camera because when you're taking photos, that mirror moves. Mm. So it can take the photo. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, I think I have to look and see. But with the Sony, I don't think you're able to put in like an audio jack. That's like the only issue, I think.
1: And so you might have to get an audio recorder or record the audio into your computer and then sync it later. You have a few options of how to do that. Yeah,
0: that gets really complicated, though, because if you're talking into your camera, then you can't do a video where you're talking into your camera. I mean, it has its own audio, but it's not... As good as say, like you suggested, using that rode microphone or a lavalier or something.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's why I recommend recording it separately. So if your camera can't take a good audio Mm -hmm. source, if it doesn't have a microphone input, then I would have a microphone that's either recorded by an audio recorder or by plugging it right into your computer and recording on your computer. Yeah, and then clap at the beginning and end so that you can see where that audio spike is in the video file and sync it up manually. Or depending on the software, you might be able to sync it up automatically too.
0: Yeah, that just seems really complicated to do that though. (laughs) Doesn't it? To record it?
1: Yeah, it's another skill to do it. But if that's how your camera is set up and you want to have better audio, then that might be the way to go. I mean, when you're recording with like a lot of my projects, I'm recording with multiple cameras, multiple Mm -hmm. microphones. Like at this point, I'm used to syncing audio is kind of a thing that we have to do just because we have multiple devices. But ideally, you build out a system that's pretty streamlined so that you save a step.
0: Yeah. I say or you just get a camera that can attach that audio or you do videos that you could record voiceovers or you kind of have to Mm -hmm. make do or you just deal with like not the most ideal audio, which isn't fun because audio is really important too. I know one of the things that we talked a little bit about before was the manual settings for the camera. So can we talk a little bit about that? Because I know it seems like you feel like that's kind of the way to go or to really understand the manual settings on your camera.
1: I mean, you can shoot in automatic mode. The camera might just do stuff on its own if your environment that you're filming in changes. When you're just getting started, shooting an auto is fine. It's more important to get really good on camera and to focus on the content of what you're showing or teaching people. So if you have to shoot an automatic at the beginning, that's fine. But I think as you make more videos and you figure out what the different settings are on your camera, you can make them look exactly how you want them to if you have full control over them and film in manual mode. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Definitely. So, what are some tips for somebody who's just wanting to dive into learning about manual mode for their cameras?
1: Yeah. So, there's kind of three main parts of shooting in manual. There's aperture, Mm -hmm. which determines how much is going to be in focus. So, when you're watching a video, the person's in focus and the background's kind of blurred out. That means they set the aperture to do that. The next one is shutter speed. And this one you kind of set it and don't change it at all. So I leave mine at 150th or 160th all the time and I don't really mess with it. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is ISO or ISO and this determines your camera's sensitivity to light. So if the ISO is low, that means the camera is not very sensitive to light which means your image will be darker. And if you raise it really high you're kind of adding electronic power to the camera so that it can see in the dark basically. Mm -hmm. But then that also can make the image have a bunch of noise or artifacts on it as well. So in general, you set your shutter speed to double what your frame rate is. So either 24 or 30 frames would be roughly one over 50 or one over 60. Then you try to keep your ISO low and then you use your aperture to figure out how much is in focus.
0: Okay. So it's the aperture, the shutter speed, and the ISO. ISO has to do with the lighting. Mm -hmm. Shutter speed is... What exactly is shutter speed?
1: So shutter speed would be like when you're taking a photo, it's how quickly the shutter opens on the camera. And so you want that to be kind of slow when you're doing a video so that everything moves naturally when you're on camera. It kind of blurs a little bit and as opposed to it getting... Really smooth, not smooth, but like it would be choppy if you used a really high shutter speed, like one over 1000 or one over 2000. Mm -hmm. So you kind of want it to have like natural motion blur as you move around.
0: And so you said the ideal numbers for that is 150 or 160. Yeah. And then you said the aperture is kind of what the background looks like, or like if it's blurry in the background or how focused you are.
1: Yeah. So that is another number. Mm -hmm. And that will tell you, it's basically how big of an opening on the lens there is so the bigger the opening the more light that comes in but that means less that it's showing is going to be in focus so if you have a low number like 3.2 or 3.5 that's kind of the sweet spot for having you in focus but the background is not in focus Mm. versus if you use something like f11 or f22 some really high number that means that more is in focus So the background might be just as in focus as you are.
0: I know that one of the things with the beauty videos, especially, is that look where kind of the back is blurred just a little bit Mm -hmm. and you're more in focus. So if you want to achieve that look, can you do that with just a basic? I mean, it's not like it's a basic camera, but like this Canon 70D or even the Sony one that I have. Are you able to achieve that look just with the changing the aperture setting?
1: Yeah, you definitely can. There are a few ways to accomplish having a blurred background. One of them is just being further away from it and focusing on yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a bigger room, then just the fact that you're further away from that will help blur the background. And another would be changing the aperture. So having a low number, an F4, an F3.5, F2.8, something lower like that, which might mean you need to get a better lens to achieve that. Mm -hmm. So as you spend more on lenses or buy a fixed lens versus a zoom lens, so a fixed lens only has one focal length, like 40 millimeter, 50 millimeter versus a zoom is like a range. Zoom lenses can't go as low in aperture.
0: Gotcha. But if you want that blurred look, a good range would be on your camera to manually try to play around with it between like 2.8 to 3.5.
1: Yeah, around there, even going to four or up to F5 Mm -hmm. on aperture can still give you a blurred background when you're not right up against a wall.
0: Gotcha. And then do you have to kind of adjust the ISO at all with that or the shutter speed? Or is the shutter speed always going to consistently be around 150 or 160?
1: If you're going to shoot in manual mode, it's basically that you set your shutter speed to one over 50 or one over 60. So whatever's double frame rate. Mm -hmm. And then you want to keep your ISO as low as possible, but your aperture is going to determine where that ISO is going to be at. So you set your shutter speed, then you kind of set your aperture to what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And then the ISO is what determines the exposure how bright or dark the image is
0: okay that's good even to know kind of the order so shutters that's a aperture you kind of set it to what you want and then from there at the end you kind of figure out the iso
1: and this was very very extremely technical and even just listening mm-hmm. to this like this took me months to understand when i was learning it through photography yeah. like Six or seven years ago. So this is a very technical thing and it helps to have visual examples of it. And I have a free course that people can go through to learn this a little bit more.
0: Yes. Tell people about your free course.
1: It's at Mm DIYVideoSchool.com. And there's a course there called Start Shooting Videos in Manual Mode. And there'll be visual examples of the difference in aperture or shutter speed or ISO. And if you are going to go down the rabbit hole of shooting in manual mode, which I recommend if you want to make videos on an ongoing basis, knowing what your camera does is really, really valuable. This is kind of how you start to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, for those of you listening, if you like Caleb and the way he explains things. And I love the way he explains things is it's very just, it's kind of a way to understand it. And you just have a way of explaining it that makes it <laughs> easier to understand because even for me, I'm not a technical person at all, but I think you have a really good way of explaining it. And I think I'm going to hop on and try that little class too. So it's a free class. What do you said DIYvideoschool.com? So mm-hmm. for those of you guys that are wanting to figure out how to do this manually, which my opinion, I think the more you educate yourself in the technology side of things, just the better, especially if you're serious about this, influencer thing and YouTube thing. Cause like what we talked about at the start is that you can really differentiate yourself and that's what the big guys are doing. So if you want to be a big guy, (laughs) I work with people, I consult with people and so many people want to make YouTube their full-time thing and all that, but then they're not spending the time to really educate themselves on the equipment. Then it's like, it's, you're missing the boat here because if you are wanting to make this full-time, you have to be up there with the people that are already doing it full-time.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And going back to what I was saying before, go to your favorite YouTuber or your favorite Instagrammer or something like that, scroll way back to the first photo or video Mm -hmm. that they posted and see that it didn't look like it does now, and that's okay. But if you do invest time in learning or invest money into buying some better equipment, you can kind of leapfrog Mm -hmm. quality-wise you still have to make good videos, but at least they can look and sound a little better to start off, which nowadays is really helpful.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that this works for, and your, your free your free class, this works for video and for photography as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, the main like settings on a camera are kind of the same, whether you're doing video or audio. There's no audio recording when you're doing photo, but the camera part is the same, like Mm -hmm. aperture and ISO and shutter speed and white balance and those types of things are the same. So if you are maybe not going to do videos, it's still helpful if you're going to do photos with a camera that's not your phone to learn what those different settings do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the manual settings for cameras. Is there anything else about cameras? like, Is there like kind of the same question I have with the lighting? What is the biggest mistake that you see that influencers make when it comes to the camera or the camera quality?
1: I mean, one question I get a lot is how to focus the camera on yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you do have a camera that has good autofocus, where it can track your face, or if you just stay in the center and it can continually stay focused on you, that's great. But sometimes if you're using an older camera, or just a camera that doesn't have good autofocus, you have to manually set focus. So what I do in that example is I will typically put something right where I'm going to stand and I'll focus on that when I'm behind the camera and then I'll move that thing and stand in that exact same spot. So I've seen pictures of people in my audience take a broomstick and tape it to a chair and put like a paper plate on it and draw a smiley face on it. That's a little extreme, Mm -hmm. but just putting something at the exact same place that you're going to stand and where your face is, Mm -hmm. that's a good way to manually focus the camera if you need to do so.
0: Okay. That's a good tip. And then one thing I thought of too, we talked a little bit about towards the beginning about like the lighting and how it's really a combination between the lighting and the camera settings that makes that look really crisp and clear and that professional quality look. So, Is there anything other than what we talked about, the settings and all that, that you would recommend when it comes to that, when it comes to lighting and matching that up with the camera settings?
1: The biggest thing is probably white balance. So if you buy lights online, whether it's an LED light or it's the soft boxes we were talking about, typically they're going to be daylight balanced. And so you can set your camera to either daylight, which usually it's a sun icon or you can set it manually to 5600 Kelvin. So if you have a custom Kelvin setting for white balance on your camera as well, you can set it to that. And I just don't like auto white balance because it can shift while you're recording. So that's something I try to avoid.
0: This is something that I've personally experienced. And I've also seen other people have issues with this too, that sometimes like, you end up, no matter what, and I found this with the Sony A5100, and I also noticed this when I used a webcam, but it always looks cool. Like no matter what, like how many lights I put in front, it ends up with like a blue tint to it. Mm -hmm. It ends up looking cool. And I see that also with people in the Facebook group and they'll post about that and they're having issues with that too. How do you fix that? Or is it the camera or is there a way to fix it?
1: So there are a couple of ways. One would be if you are shooting with constant lights, it sounds like, but it's end up being a little cool. Then in your camera, in the white balance setting, you might have it set to something that is a little bit cooler. So maybe it's set to cloudy day and it needs to be set to sunny day, or you might need to go into that Kelvin setting, which usually there's just a K and then a four digit number, and you can move that higher or lower to get the desired results that you want. So Higher is going to make it cooler, so 6,000, 7,000, 8,000. And if you want it to be warmer, so like more yellow, Mm -hmm. cooler makes it like more blue. And warmer would be lower, so down to 5,000 or 4,500 or even lower than that. So you might just want to get really fine-tuned with the Kelvin. Mm -hmm. The other option is... In your video editing software, whether you're using something intro that's free like iMovie or something more advanced, you can typically do a little bit of color correction and you can warm up or cool down mm-hmm. your video files too. And that might help because if it's too cool or blue, your skin tone might like seem kind of sallow dead mm-hmm. or dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it's too warm, you'll be like too yellow and It just is a little off. So you kind of have to find the medium spot there for white balance and you can do it in camera or you can do it in editing.
0: Yeah. I would always just do it in the editing because I couldn't figure out how to do it in the camera, but it would be nice to figure it out in the camera because then you can save that extra step in a way.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, so that's good to know. And one other last thing is, question for me is that with the Sony camera, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'm taking product shots and things like that. And I find that the real close-ups of products and items with writing and stuff like that, and that the writing a lot of time on the products ends up blurry. Like it looks blurry, even though I feel like I'm focusing on it. And I can't seem to get that really crisp look with that text that's, say, on those products. Mm -hmm. Is that an issue that you've seen or you know how to fix?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, how a camera focuses is if something's flat to the camera, mm-hmm. then that's kind of the focal plane of what can be in focus. So if it's tilted at all and you bring something really close to the camera, it's only focusing on so much. So you can either make sure to hold it flat to the camera when you're trying to show text or something of a product, or that would be where you might adjust the aperture to a higher number like f10 or f16 or something like that so that more is in focus. But then to compensate, you either need to add a bunch of light Mm -hmm. to whatever you're filming or you need to raise the ISO, which can get a little noisy or grainy.
0: So when you say noisy, Mm -hmm. that's that grainy look that you end up getting sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's like an artificial kind of snow looking thing on your image.
0: Yeah. I wonder, I'm like, why does it look grainy like that? So that's sometimes when the ISO is too high. Correct. Okay. Good to know. And then just real quickly about editing, what's kind of a good beginner software that you would recommend for people that they're just getting started with editing?
1: Yeah, there's different options depending on your budget. If you're on the free side of things, on a Mac, iMovie comes on a Mac. You can also get it on an iPhone or an iPad just to get started and editing that way. A lot of big YouTubers have built their audiences just using something like iMovie. On the Windows side of thing, there's Windows Movie Maker. And then if you're going to do recordings from your webcam or maybe you want to record your screen also, Camtasia is a good option on Windows. And on Mac, I like ScreenFlow. And then to get more advanced, you can look at something like Adobe Premiere Pro or Final Cut Pro 10 on the Mac. Those are paid options. So if you're wanting to do a little bit more advanced stuff in your videos, you can. But iMovie or Windows Movie Maker is usually what people start with.
0: Yeah. I think iMovie is great. But uh, do you think if somebody's looking, you know, they've done YouTube for a few years, or at maybe, I don't know, 20, 30,000, 40,000 subscribers, and they're like, okay, I want to upgrade something like, do you think it's worth it to like maybe upgrade the camera versus the editing software versus the lighting? Like, what do you think is kind of the most important? So let kind of take that next step up.
1: I typically say that most people should upgrade their lighting and audio before they upgrade their camera because you can make your videos look much better with the proper lens or better lights or knowing how to use them or getting a better microphone, Mm -hmm. people will notice those things pretty quickly if you really dial those things in versus a lot of people think they should spend 90% of their budget or their next upgrade on a new camera or something. And that's typically not going to make your videos that much different versus getting better lights and learning how to use them or having better audio that'll really make a difference right away.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of people forget about the audio because it's a big pet peeve of mine too. When I watch a video and it's like they're soft, you can't hear them. And you're like, it looks great, but the audio sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> what is your favorite editing tool to use?
1: I use Adobe Premiere Pro. Mm. I used to use Final Cut Pro 10 though mm-hmm. for a couple of years. That was a more entry-level, it's basically iMovie Pro. Uh, so you can go from iMovie to Final Cut Pro pretty easily. It's a natural progression. yeah. But for the more advanced things I do with a lot of camera angles and having other people helping me edit from remote locations and things, I use Premiere Pro.
0: Okay. So I do have a few questions from our audience, if that's okay, if you have a little bit of time. Of course. Yeah. And I'll just kind of go over them. Some of them we did talk about, but let's see the ones that we didn't talk about. Okay. So this comes from our Facebook group. It's from Natalie. And she says that she would like to know what's the best camera for filming fashion videos outside. She would really like that really crisp look. She says that she has a 28 to 70 millimeter lens. It's like, but it always comes out grainy.
1: Always comes out grainy. So that might be the settings like we were talking about. Your ISO might be too high for outside. If you're outside and there's a lot of light, typically you can bring that ISO pretty low. So it's not as grainy, but it might also be just the camera itself, like a More expensive camera is going to have a better sensor in it, and it's going to have the video image look a little nicer as well. So it might just depend on that too.
0: What would be a good camera if someone is primarily filming outside?
1: You can use something like we've been talking about, like a Canon DSLR, Mm -hmm. like a 70D or an 80D, because for fashion stuff, stuff's moving really quick. There might be a lot of motion that you want to be able to focus on quickly. And having a touch screen to focus is really, really nice. Or, you know, those types of cameras have slow motion. So you might be able to get some cool slow motion shots with fashion as clothing is moving around or people are walking or what have you. So I would say those are solid options as well. Okay,
0: good. And then the grainy, you said it's all about the ISO. What would be the level that you would think would be ideal for outside for the ISO?
1: I mean, when you're outside, you can put the ISO pretty low. You can usually drop it down to the 1 or 200 range. It's when you're inside and you don't have as much light that you need to typically bump it up to four or 800 or higher.
0: And then what about the aperture when you're outside? Does that change at all?
1: If it's too bright, you might have to stop it down to a bigger number just so your overall shot isn't too bright, but I would still do the aperture decision creatively based on how much you want in focus.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So next question is from Lizzie and we actually, we did talk a lot about this, but if there's anything else you want to add, she asks, how do you get a quality sound on a budget? Like with microphones, how do you actually use them for your videos?
1: Yeah. The biggest thing is people think that they can just place a microphone somewhere and it'll sound really Mm -hmm. good, but typically you wanna be pretty close to the microphone. The microphone I'm talking into right now is less than a foot away from me, and if you're doing a normal video, typically the microphone has to be a little further away from you, but you can't place a microphone on one side of the room and go stand on the other side and expect it to sound really good. So it's really about proximity, and you don't need to spend too much money on a good microphone if it's close to you, you have a room where there's not much other sound. And maybe you put things in the room to help with echo, like putting pillows in places or closing the blinds or hanging a blanket somewhere if need be. Those types of things also help.
0: I've heard that too. Like if you have wood floors, you want to have a rug because it echoes.
1: Yeah, definitely. I will bring in rugs from other parts of locations that I'm filming in just to make it sound better and have there be less echo.
0: And so what are you using now when you're talking
1: right now? This is a Heil PR40 podcasting Mm -hmm. microphone. Mm -hmm. But my first microphone I got for podcasting was the Blue Yeti. And then I used that to record my videos for almost a year when I was just getting started. Yeah,
0: the Blue Yeti's uh, really good too. So that would be probably the one that you would recommend for people for their kind of first microphone when they're filming their videos.
1: Yeah, the only thing about that is That has to plug into a computer.
0: Oh, that's right. So that's if you're doing the webcam.
1: So if you're doing like a webcam or something, that's a good microphone versus if you're wanting to record directly into a DSLR or something like that, using something like the Rode VideoMic Pro or the Rode SmartLav Plus into your phone and then syncing it later. It kind of depends on how complex you want to get.
0: Yeah. And so would it be better to just sync it to your phone? So would that be an option like where I say like the Sony that you can't really connect external audio? Would it be an option to, oh, that's what you said, is to actually connect like, say, the Rode into the cell phone mm-hmm. while you're filming in front of the Sony, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then you would just have to sync it later.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's that extra step. Or you get a camera like the Canon that allows that external audio Mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is from Jade and she asks, I'd like to know what camera he recommends for vlogging. She had a couple of questions Mm -hmm. and how to reduce the wind sound when you're filming outside and what lighting you recommend, which we already talked about, she said she goes on about the lighting. I used two soft boxes and a ring light, but okay, she goes on. Let's do she had three questions. So the first one, what camera do you recommend for vlogging?
1: For vlogging, the biggest thing to me is having a flip out screen that faces you. so mm-hmm. there's kind of two categories for vlogging in my opinion. There's the point and shoot kind that have a built- on lens, and that would be either the canon G7 x or the Sony. RX100. Those have screens that flip out that you can kind of hold out and point at yourself while you're vlogging. And then if you want to go a step further and get more advanced, then you would do a DSLR or something like the Canon 70D or 80D, like we were talking about earlier.
0: Yeah, I would think the Sony would be a little easier because if you're vlogging, you're a lot of times people are like holding it and they're like almost like you know selfie-ish with they're holding it and they're talking and walking around or doing things like that. Whereas like the bigger cameras are they get kind of heavy.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's harder to pack and it's bigger and you don't have it as often. And if you're going to vlog, you kind of want something that's with you all the time. Easy
0: and light. Yeah. I mean, people vlog, they're going on their shopping trips or the grocery store, Disneyland or something like that. And Mm -hmm. to lug around a big old camera can be kind of tough. Definitely. And then, okay, so her next question, how do you reduce the wind sound when you're filming outside?
1: So the biggest thing with that is you need something between the microphone and the wind that's hitting it to kind of absorb it. And so you can put something that they call a dead cat, which is an unfortunate name, but it's, <laughs> it's just like a fuzzy furry thing that you either put over your microphone or if your microphone is literally just a few dots that are on your camera. It's this little thing that like kind of sticks onto your camera and has like kind of crazy hair like a mad scientist would. But those types of things will absorb the wind. So that your microphone doesn't pick it up. So
0: just like a a stuffed animal or do you have to get that particular dead cat type tool? I
1: mean, you you could probably modify a stuffed animal you're not using anymore and make something. But yeah, typically a microphone.
0: So it's like an actual product thing.
1: It's like a product thing. Yeah. It's either called like a windscreen or it is called a dead cat as well.
0: Okay. So it's not like anything fluffy. (laughs) It's like it's something very specific. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then the last thing she asks is uh, about her lighting questions. She says that she uses two soft boxes and a ring light, but sometimes she looks too washed out. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm wondering if I need to change my camera settings or even experiment with a reflector.
1: Yeah, you could point the lights away from you the soft boxes maybe just point them at the walls or the ceiling to light the room not necessarily point them all at you or if it's too bright and washed out then you need to adjust some of those settings we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. so lowering the iso will bring the exposure level down so that the image isn't as bright or you can change the aperture so that it's not letting in as much light and in the image isn't as bright. So yeah, I mean, when I first started, it was like point all the lights I have directly at me. Yeah. And now <laughs> I kind of, I soften them, I bounce them off things, I shoot them through different materials and you kind of learn what ends up looking good.
0: Gotcha. And then you talked about editing. So you use Adobe, but if someone is looking to kind of upgrade from the free iMovie or from the free whatever they're using, what software would you recommend? I mean, I don't know if Adobe's too advanced and Final Cut's better or for someone that's kind of just doing YouTube videos, what would be the ideal software if they are looking to invest in something?
1: Yeah. The ones I like are on Windows. I would say Camtasia mm-hmm. is a good one, as well as you could go all the way up to Premiere Pro if you want to get more advanced. And then on the Mac, Something like ScreenFlow is only $100 Mm -hmm. and you can record directly in the app to your webcam. Yeah. And it puts it automatically in the timeline and you can start editing right from there.
0: Okay. And then here's another question. She says, what setting do I have in a Canon 70D to not look washed out? Seems like the same kind of questions. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, switch into a manual Mm -hmm. mode and start having control over what your camera is doing for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, and then the last two questions. This is from S and she says, I've finally gotten some umbrella lights after fighting with natural light and just a ring light. It looks so much better, except that when I'm filming a video... And I, I noticed that the extra light is causing a shadow on my face when I lift my hand to put on eyeshadow. Mm-hmm. I've Googled it and all I'm finding is stuff about shadows on backdrops. I've tried repositioning them and adjusting heights for 20 minutes, but she can't eliminate that shadow with turning off at least one of the lights. What do you do to avoid shadows on your face?
1: Shadows are a natural thing. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on if it's that distracting or not. The more lights you have, the more shadows you're going to create. That's why using one big soft source like a window Mm -hmm. is going to limit shadows and it's going to soften them. So if your shadow is too pronounced and it's too distracting, then you either need to not use that light, point it away like towards a wall or towards the ceiling so it's a bigger source and doesn't make the shadow as harsh or just deal with it. Like Shadows are a natural thing. It is hard when you're filming a video because you see every single shadow. But Mm -hmm. if you also just look around your room in regular daytime, like shadows are a natural thing. So I think people that are consuming videos don't really notice shadows as much as we think they do.
0: Would she have been in a case where it might have been better for her to just get the soft boxes versus umbrella lights?
1: Yeah. I mean, either of those would make something softer, but maybe you need to move it further away and shoot through a bed sheet or a shower curtain or something that would make that shadow not as pronounced. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you point lights at yourself and you put your hand in front of your face, you're going to get a shadow. There's nothing you can really do about it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, is there anything else that I really did uh, drill you <laughs> and try and get <laughs> as much info as I could? And um, is there anything else that you think that maybe you didn't talk about or any other tips at all other than what we discussed?
1: I think the biggest thing is just to whatever equipment you have now get started with Mm -hmm. and go from there. Like I myself over the years have limited what I could do because I felt like I didn't have enough equipment or anything like that, but it's only a part of it. It's not the most important part by far. Mm -hmm. You need to focus on what's in the video just as much as the technical piece to end up having something that's helpful for people.
0: And that's great. Okay, well then where can people find you, your work? I know you teach courses, you have your free courses, you have paid courses. If someone's looking to really kind of step up their game, where can people find you to access those courses?
1: Yeah, so our main website is diyvideoguy.com and that is where you'll find the podcast and all the videos we put out on an ongoing basis. Our free courses like the manual mode one, and some editing courses, as well as some of our more advanced paid courses are at DIYVideoSchool.com. And then all this gear and equipment we've been talking about, I'm also going to make a short link to all of that as well, awesome. or if you have a short link to your site. But if you go to DIYVideoGuide.com beauty, I'm just going to have that redirect to listing all this equipment for people. Perfect.
0: And same thing here. If you guys want to check out the show notes, I'll put everything that we talked about in the show notes. And that's beautyandthevlog.com forward slash video. So beautyandthevlog.com forward slash video. And we'll put all the show notes and everything on there also. So I think that's pretty much it. Thank you so much. This was awesome.
1: Yeah, of course. We covered a lot of technical stuff. So hopefully people picked up a few tips and tricks there.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the show, Caleb. This was awesome.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: All right. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you enjoyed it and you got something out of it, help me get the podcast to the top 10 podcasts for business, for marketing. And leave a review on iTunes, share it in your YouTube videos, on your Instagram, tag me, and I will make sure to return the love as well. I love hearing how this podcast is affecting you, helping you with your YouTube channel, changing your life. I get emails and comments from that all the time. So keep them coming. And if you are looking to improve your YouTube channel, start your YouTube channel, Make sure you sign up for the waitlist at ericaviera.net for slash bootcamp for my next bootcamp, which is going to be happening in 2019. Have a wonderful week and I will see you next Thursday.